Um, I'm going to sell this a little bit more real quick. Uh, I think this is really important. Um, if you have a smartphone, please, 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 and you consider this your church, please get plugged in. I know many of you have, but only 13 of you have, and there's a lot more than 13 people that go to this church. Um, and for those of you watching on Facebook later today on the River Church Facebook page, a link will be posted. Basically what you do is by scanning this, it takes you to a particular survey that has you fill out a couple questions. Why are we doing this? It's because most churches have a directory of membership, right? All the people who consider themselves to be members of their church, they have, you know, just basic contact information and that kind of stuff. So you can stay in touch. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Bo preached about, uh, well, he was preaching. He talked about the 99 and the one, the 99 sheep and the one goes off and how God always goes after us. But whenever certain people leave uh, the church, we typically don't try to reach out to them. And sometimes it's because we don't have their contact information. And so we, want, we love you and we want you to be able to stay in touch with what God is doing at the River Church. And so by, by joining this, by, by clicking or scanning this code, it'll take you to a survey that you fill out. You'll actually become part of our River Church text line. So you'll get notifications every Saturday night reminding you that church is Sunday morning. Pretty cool, right? And then you're also going to get a cool little card every month in your mail telling you kind of what's going on at the River Church in that month. So many, many benefits to doing this. We're also going to get you plugged into uh, connect groups if you want to. We'll get you plugged into serving if you want to. And we're also going to ask you if you've been baptized or not, because we believe at the River Church that being water baptized is a really, really awesome thing. And if you haven't done that yet, we want to give you that opportunity. So there's just a couple things. There's a part of the, couple of the questions that, that will, you'll be asked whenever you go to that survey. So if you would... Um, Scan that before you go out. How do you do it? You get your smartphone camera out. You just simply hover over it, and it should pop up a link. If you have an older Android phone, it will not work. So you have to go to the link on Facebook later today. So I know it's a lot of work that we're asking you to do, but it is uh, going to be helpful for us as the church to be able to stay in contact with you. And if you're like, I don't want you to have my contact information, then that's fine. God bless you too. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message today. Pastor Bradley did a really awesome job last week of, of uh, really just casting a really broad vision for the River Church in 2021 out of Ezekiel 47. Man, I love that scripture. Amen. That's, that's a good one. The, the rivers of God, the river that flows from the throne of God. And, and we're inviting all you to jump in and join with us in 2021. And today, I have the privilege of kind of expounding a little bit more upon that in terms of outreach. So what is the church's vision for 2021 in terms of outreach, in terms of, of community outreach specifically, reaching out to the community outside of these four walls? Because Christians, as Christians, we are made for outside of these four walls. Amen? For too long, people keep their faith inside of the church. But we, how, how many of you know that the church is not a building, but it's people? Amen? You are the church. We are the church. All of us together, we are the church. And so everywhere we go, we take Christ with us. And we take him not just to Sunday morning service, but out there to, to Walmart and to Target and to Chick-fil-A. Amen, somebody, right? And to, to the places that we go, right? But, but if you go to Chick-fil-A and you take God with you, it's really easy because they're nice to you. The hard part is whenever you take them to Walmart and you got to wait in line for 10 years, right? And, and the person in front of you is cussing out the, you know, the cashier and you're like, come on, man. You know, that's where it's tough to take God with you, right? But that's the mission field. That's where we're supposed to take him. So today I want to preach to you a little bit about community outreach. Um, but I want to say this. Uh, Bradley said this last week, but I don't think that we can give enough praise Today, I'm preaching a really easy message because in this church, we are really already, we're already really good at this. We're already really good at community outreach, but I believe that we can get better. Uh, but I've heard countless stories, countless stories of someone's in need of a refrigerator. Oh, yep, we got that. 
You know, someone, oh, someone's hot water heater broke. Okay, yep, right there. We're going to go fix it. Or, you know, someone needs groceries or someone needs food. Someone needs clothing. Someone needs shelter. Just random things throughout the year. And I guarantee you that the message Bradley preached two weeks ago detailing all that we did in 2020, I guarantee you he left some things off the list. And that's how great that you guys are. That's how generous that you guys are. That's all the good works that we've been able to do throughout 2020. So give yourselves a hand clap before, before we get a message. Give yourselves a hand clap. We, as a church, are, are really, really good at community outreach. And I'm challenging you this morning. I want us to be even better. I want us to go even further in 2020. Uh, to use the analogy from last week, I want to go even deeper in the waters. Amen? I don't want to have just knee-high Christianity or waist-high, but I want to be completely submerged in what God has for us in this calendar year. Amen? So we're going to be jumping right in today and, and, and talking. I want, to, I want to talk at the beginning here, before we get into the actual scriptures and whatnot, just about particular things that we're going to continue to do in 2021 and... Um, maybe make some of these things known to some people in here and kind of sell these things a little bit too because I don't know if everybody in here knows that we do all of these things all the time. So the first thing that we'll be doing in 2021 that is particularly you know, community outreach that I have listed here is, is I, I have a, the, this category is, is structures and ministries. Structures and ministries, what does that mean? Well, these are uh, organized events, organized things that we do every month as a church for community outreach, okay? The first one that comes to mind, and maybe the most important one, and, and, and the best one, I would say, is the food kitchen, the food kitchen. So if you did not know, which is okay if you don't know, if you're new here, every single month we serve down at West Valley Community uh, Food Kitchen, down on West Valley Street, okay? And sometimes twice a month. It just depends on, on which month it falls on. And what do we do there? Well, we go to the food kitchen and uh, Jane heads that up, and, and she's uh, usually got an excellent meal prepared. Usually, you know, you're able to get some, too, if you want, if you want. and it's really always pretty good. But uh, you go there, and we serve meals to the homeless and to the less fortunate. And so these are people literally coming in right off the streets. Um, I'm going to say this scripture a lot today, but this has been a scripture resounding in my mind as I've been preparing for this. Jesus said, when you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. And that's the scripture that comes to my mind whenever we serve there. And I can stand up here with a mic in my hand and tell you about how you should go to the food kitchen and cite all these scriptures to you about how we should feed the poor and how we should care for these kinds of people. But you don't know the feeling that it, you go there to bless them, but you get blessed. It's crazy. You go there to, uh, to hand out things to them, but you actually receive. And, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's a feeling in your heart, and that feeling is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, you know, ministering to you as you're there, and it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and so I challenge you. Um, you know, we, we, we go there, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, I'll say this. Sometimes it's, and I'm, I'm part of this boat, sometimes it's hard for Jane to get enough help, you know? We need to, in 2021, I'm challenging us as a river church. I want us to have too much help. I want us to have so much help down at those food kitchens that, that she's like, well, some of you can go home if you want to, you know, or uh, things of that nature, or we can take on more Sunday or more days, or we can do this or that, right? We want to go head in into this river that, that, that we are as a church, right? And that involves going harder at the food kitchen, you know, serving more meals, uh, being more involved, doing more at the food kitchen. It's a place that has a special, special place in my heart. 
I know the director there, Mary, she has, uh, you know, her spirit in the right place with how she's leading that ministry, and we are very, very happy as a church to be a part of that. A couple other uh, structures and ministries that we help out. Uh, the Haven, every, every winter, we, we didn't do it this winter, uh, but every winter we usually go out and help out down there. Uh, these are, I'm just naming particular things that we have been involved with in case you want to go get involved with there on your own time, on your, in your personal time. The Haven is a men's shelter down the south end where people can go. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a program where people can go and they can stay there, get housing, and they go through this program. And it's kind of getting their life back on track, so to speak. Uh, the next one is Pregnancy Resource Center, you know. Uh, Pastor Bradley has made it very clear about our stance um, on things, uh, on, on abortion, right? And so as a church, we don't just talk, though. We act, right? We don't just talk. We don't just talk about what we believe, but we act. And we support the Pregnancy Resource Center. We support that ministry because we believe that's making an impact in the lives of um, women and families throughout St. Joe. Amen? The last one I could think of on this, and I'm sure there's other ones I'm not thinking of, is the noise home. We've, done, we've been on record to give a lot of clothing and, uh, and uh, you know, kids' clothing particularly to the noise home to provide for them whenever they're in their time of need. And so how does this apply to any of y'all? Well, throughout the year on that table back there where right now there's, a, there's like a little box where you can drop your uh, you know, offering and stuff like that, but the table back there, usually there's like bins. We have bins that have... Uh, we can put clothes, and you can put jackets, and you can put all these kinds of things in there to donate to these ministries. And so what I'm telling you is that in 2021, you will have opportunities to give to these ministries. You will have opportunities to have an impact in the lives of these people. Don't pass up on it. Don't pass up on it. What I'm challenging you to this morning is that we are going to continue, and we're going to go even harder and even further in these ministries for the glory of God, and I'm challenging you to become part of that. Amen? Okay, moving on, because there's a lot here, and I don't want to take up too much time. Um, the next category of outreach, uh, this is not just community outreach, but worldwide outreach, missions, okay? Uh, this, I'll go through this really quickly. We've gone over who our missionaries are, but this is just part of giving. It's like when you give to the River Church financially, where does your money go? Not in the pocket of, not, not in our pockets with the salary, okay? It's not, nobody here is getting paid. You're getting paid just as much as, as we are, right? So, the point I'm making here is that when you give in that plate, you're giving to these missions, okay? Uh, to the Anwar family in Pakistan, uh, to the orphanages in Haiti, to uh, the Nashes, to Carla Marroquin, who's fighting human sex trafficking, okay? To all these different ministries that we give to on a regular basis, okay? These are the things that you're giving to whenever you give into the offering plate. And so, if, if, uh, I don't even know if, did you mention offering before? You did, but I'm mentioning it again, okay? Because as a church, we need to be a giving church, and none of the money goes back to, the, to us as people, but it goes out there, amen? I believe that's how it should be. We're giving to these missionaries who are literally putting their life on the line, literally putting their life on the line in some of these uh, countries, okay? They're risking their lives for, this, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's a phenomenal thing, and we're proud to partner with them. Next, uh, this is something that I saw in 2021 that is a community outreach, and I want to continue on this, and that, that's just evangelism. Many of you in here are new. Many of you in here joined the River Church in 2020, and I'm so happy to see that. But, but you know, if we believe that this good news of Jesus Christ that we have is such a great thing, it's such a glorious thing, it's good news, right? It's good news. What happened when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? How many of you in here that are Chiefs fans couldn't stop talking about it, Right? right? Because it's good news. It's the first good news we got in 50 years. Amen, somebody, right? <laughs> you couldn't stop talking about it. 
yet the good news of Jesus Christ, we keep it to ourselves all too often. And so we've done a great job in 2020 of, 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 telling, other, of telling other people about our faith, and, and I've seen them come in the church, and I've seen the church grow. But I challenge you in 2021 to take your faith to a new level, to tell somebody that you work with about the good news of Jesus, about how he loves them. He's come to forgive them and to save them and to redeem them. Amen? This is good news that we have, and we're to share that with other people. So not just physical needs, but spiritual needs as well. There's many people that we know, we see in our workplace, all around us that are hurting, right? They're going through something. They're going through a trial, through a, a tribulation of some sort. They're going through something. We reach out to them. We meet that need, right? Because we are the church. We are the church. Amen. To truly love and reach people, we must feed them physically and spiritually. Physical food and spiritual food. To love and reach people, we must clothe them, not just in shirts, but also in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. To love and reach people, we must meet their physical need and their spiritual need. And I believe in 2021, we're going to do it. Amen? I believe we're going to do it. I believe we're going to do it. And that's, that's the conviction I have in my heart. Not just because I believe in God, not just because I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I know all y'all. I know that you guys are giving and generous people and that you're going to respond to this. So with all of that being said, I wanted to, I wanted to set the table there for what, what 2021 is going to look like in terms of our outreach, in terms of our community stuff, and how you can get involved, because you can and you should. And I might even say you must, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. So I'll just let Jesus tell you what to do. I don't know. We're going to be today in Luke chapter 10. This is a very famous story, very famous story in the Bible, Okay. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. With a raise of hands, how many of you know the parable of the Good Samaritan, even just in passing? Maybe you never read it, but you just have heard the phrase Good Samaritan. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Okay. It's very popular, very, very, very popular, so much so that there's even a, a, an organization that gives, um, they, they give like overseas, you know, uh, clothing and food and stuff like that called the Good Samaritan Ministries. Um, it's a very, it's, it's even kind of a, just a phrase, you know, if you meet somebody that's just a really nice person, you would call them a Good Samaritan, right? You know, just someone that goes out of their way to do nice things for other people. So this story has resounding effects on our culture, and we know it's a really popular story, but I want to break it down today and see how it affects our lives and how we can better understand community outreach and, and, and what, what God desires of us. So we're going to be starting, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. If you have your Bible, if not, it will be on the screen, okay? Let's read. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his action, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's important. We'll come back to that. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on, on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. 
The next day, he handled the innkeeper, or he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus said, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this great parable that you've told. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes today to see, to see needs all around us, to see the world around us through your vision. Lord, give, give us God vision today. Give us your eyes to see the hurting and the broken around us. And Lord, how we can bring a response to that, a, a Christ-like response, how we can heal the wounds, how we can go to those people and bring healing and life to them. Lord, in your powerful name I pray, amen. Amen. So, this parable here obviously is really famous. And this comes about, Jesus tells this story as an explanation because this guy, he, he's a sly dog and he asks, he asks Jesus a question and he, he wants, uh, you know, a lot of times we try to uh, ask certain questions in a certain way that fits our narrative, right? It's, it's called confirmation bias. You know, we want to believe the things that we've always believed and continue to believe them. And so he wanted to believe in a world where he could despise some people and love others. He wanted to believe in a world where he only had to take care of some people and not others, right? And so Jesus tells him, you know, or he, he says, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, how do you read the law of Moses? And he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? Amen. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, right, do this and you will live, right? And then he's, he's, not, he's not happy, though. He's not happy. He's not happy that he got the question right. He had to go a step further. So he says, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? In other words, is there anybody that is not my neighbor? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Is there anybody that is not my neighbor? Is there anybody that I don't have to love? Jesus said, ah, I knew you'd ask that. Let me tell you this story. Right? And so my message for today is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because whether or not we realize that sometimes in our hearts we can act like this young man. And we can live in our lives looking for people to not love. Looking for people, looking for excuses, looking for justification. What did he say? He asked this question in order to justify his actions. We look for justification to hold grudges and to hold unforgiveness, and to hold hatred. We look for justification to not talk to that family member we haven't talked to for six months because they said we look bad at Christmas, right? We look for justification uh, to act unchristlike. We look for justification to hold unforgiveness in our heart. And what, what the man is really saying by saying, who is my neighbor? He's subliminally saying, who is not my neighbor? Who do I not have to love? And all too often, that is our mindset as well. But the parable goes on and really the the moral of the story is this is that your neighbor is anyone and everyone around you but specifically those that are in need that is your neighbor your na you don't get to pick and choose who your neighbor is you don't get to pick and choose who you get to love in other words to 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 put it bluntly you don't get to pick and choose the people that you get to like what if you become a Christ follower? This is where it gets tough. This is tough preaching right here. When you become a Christ follower, you give up your right to hate people. Let me say that again because somebody needs to hear that. When you become a Christ follower, you give up your right to hate people. 
You give it up. You lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I want to live as you live. I want to live the life that you lived. And Jesus tells this story here. And the moral of the story is that anyone and everyone around you, specifically those that are hurting, are your neighbor. Those are the people that we go to. Those are the people that we love. Those that are hurting, those that are dying, those that are around us that are maybe literally dead or spiritually dead, they're dying on the inside, right? We go to those people, the people that are in need, and we meet that need everyone who needs your help should get your help let me say that again everyone who needs your help should get your help even if it's just a little bit even if it's you know i think of i think of in terms of giving and generosity i think of the parable of the widow right or it wasn't even a parable sorry it was a real story it was an actual thing that jesus observed in the temple the widow who gave all that she had she went up to the offering plate so to speak and she only had one coin that's all she had in the bank account, one coin, and she gave it. She gave everything she had, right? And Jesus critiqued these other, other people because they didn't give very much, although they had a ton, right? Sometimes we think just because we have a little bit that we can't give anything, right? But everyone who needs your help should get your help, even if you can only help a little bit. We should always be people that are striving to help, always be people that are striving to reach out. And so the question that I was troubled with as I was reading this parable uh, last night and in, in, in previous days, was why didn't the priest and the Levite help? Why did they not help? The Bible says that there was a priest that walked up on this man that was, I thought about acting this out. I, you guys should be lucky. I thought about asking some of y'all if you want to come up here and act this out, so she lucky. But why did, why did the priest look at a man, a living human being, another human being, that was, according to the story, half dead. Blood gushing out on the borderline of a coma, maybe. You know, for sure, probably had a concussion, all sorts of stuff. How can he look at that person and say no? And go across the other side and continue with his business. And the Levite, the same thing. He looks at him. And he walks away. And, and the biggest part, this would be, it would be different. It would be different if it said it was like a shepherd or a tax collector or just some person with a random vocation, random job. But it's a priest, a Levite, men of God, people who claimed to know God Almighty. And they looked at this person and they walked away. And so in a lot of ways, the parable of the Good Samaritan is not just a story about how you should help people, but it's a critique of how religious people oftentimes are the worst at helping other people. How many of you know that? That sometimes people can get so caught up in their faith, they can get so religious and so high and mighty, they get so up on their pedestal that they're too cool or too good or too holy or too righteous to help the hurting and the dying. We must listen. We must heed these words. I kept thinking to myself, how could they not help this man? Did they have no heart? Did they have no you know, you know, moral fiber in their body? And I thought to myself, well, why don't we help people? Why don't I help people? Not even talking about y'all, but why don't, you know, God started to convict me, like, whoa, man, like, you know, why, why don't I help people? And then I begin to think of all the excuses that we tell ourselves and how they're just that, excuses. I don't have enough time. You know, I can't stop and help that. I can't stop. I, I got to get to work, you know, or I got to, you know. Or I don't have enough time. I know I've got, I've got my schedule. I've got things that I've, I've got to go do this, this, and this, right? I don't have enough time, you know, or money, 
you know, I don't have enough money. Or, or I don't want to give them my money because it's my money. They should just go get a job. You know, maybe they need to go get a job. You know, if you're that worried about money and them spending, I understand that. I understand that in some ways. That if you're worried about them spending money irresponsibly, then, then take it a step further. You know, my fourth grade teacher told me that she used to have these little goodie bags that she would make, uh, and, and I mean, she was just a. I mean, she even though it was a public school, I mean, she was as Christ-like as you can be. I went to church with her my whole life, and she she would have like Cheerios in there, like like bottles of water, you know, like a, basically build these little packs, you know. So when she would see someone on the side of the road that was holding up a sign that was you know in need or whatever. Also had a gift card in there to a local restaurant, okay? So this is, that's just a little idea I want to throw in there for you. So if you're one of these people that's like, I don't want to give them cash because, you know, they might go spend it irresponsibly or I might, be feeding, I might be feeding an addiction of some sort or this or that, right? There's an idea for you. Make little, little packets and stuff like that. But we come up with excuses like, I don't have enough money. Or, I don't want to give them my money. I don't want to give them what is mine. And that really comes from a place of self-centeredness, not Christ-centeredness, right? And self-centeredness. I wonder if we want to hold on to our money. And maybe... Maybe you really don't have any money, and that's okay too, right? As Pastor Bradley always says, he says, you know, we don't want it to take food off of your table uh, to, to, to put some food on somebody else's table. Basically, don't starve your family just to feed another, right? It's a very uh, complicated moral predicament, right? It's, it's very tough to, to, you know, kind of filter through those things in your mind, but we can get creative, right? God gave us a brain, right? We can get creative with how we reach out to the least of these, um, we can get creative with how we go out there. Also, I would say another reason that we don't help is effort. Let's be honest. Sometimes we can get lazy when it comes to our calling in Christ. We can get lazy when it comes to what God has called us to. God has called us to something. We're like, oh, man, that just, that just takes too much. You know, I'm sure they, one of the thoughts going through your head might have been like, that's a lot. Those are some deep cuts. I mean, those are some deep wounds. I don't think I can help them at all. You know, right? It would take too much effort. I would get my robe dirty. I would become ceremonially unclean. Right? That just takes too much effort for me to help this man. Uh, and sometimes, whenever we hear about a need or something of that nature, we think, "Man, that just—that's a big undertaking. Like that's—that's that's going to take a lot of effort, or that takes a lot of dough out of my pocket, or that's going to take a lot of my time. Right? Just too much effort. Just feeling like not really doing it. You know? You know?" But isn't that laziness? Isn't that laziness? And, and, and I'm talking, my, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching myself right here too. Because that's how I feel sometimes. It's like, I don't really want to do that, you know? But what does the Bible say in Colossians 3, 17? Do whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do as if you're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if Jesus walked into the room. If, Jesus, can I get you anything to drink? Oh, we're going to get a meal prepared. Jesus, you just sit down right here. You know, we, treat, we would treat Jesus with this great and, and glorious splendor, right? But yet to other people, we don't want to give them the effort or the time of day to meet their needs. And that's sin. That's sin. A scripture that continually haunts me, continually haunts me, is in the book of James. Whenever James tells us, he says, if you know what you ought to do, but you do not do it, then that is sin. If you know there is something, like you're supposed to do the right thing. You're supposed to go and, and speak to that person or to, to, to help them out, to lift them up, but you do not do it, then that is sin. All too often in church, we think of sin as things that we do, right? Like, you know, I, I went back to that sin, or I, I was gossiping, or I was slandering, or I was talking bad about someone, or I, I you know, said a curse word, or this or that, right? 
We think about things that we do, but have you ever thought about your sin and the things that you don't do? The actions you don't take, the words you don't say, the money you don't give, or the food that you don't give, the clothing you don't give? Man, that changes what it means to repent. That changes what it means to have repentance in your heart. Going off on a sidetrack, sorry. Anyways, and this last one, this hit me hard. I've kind of already mentioned a little bit, but why do we not help? Judgment. We are judging them. We're judging them. Oh, look at me. I've got my job. I'm working my job. I'm making my money. Man, if they were more hardworking. Man, if they just got their act together. Man, if they just, if they just went to the temp agency, they could go get a job somewhere. They just need to be more hardworking. They just need to do this or that, you know? And without a doubt, are there people that take advantage of the system? Yes. But is it your job and my job to judge? No. Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. Do not judge. But we do. And the reason that sometimes we don't help is because we are silently judging that person for doing what they're doing. I, I was reading a book this week, not a Christian book whatsoever, but it was, it was actually a fictional story. And, and uh, the author said that his father told him when he was a kid that before you judge someone, remember that they may not have had all the advantages that you have had. Before you judge someone, remember, they may not have had the advantages that you have had. And a lot of times in our heart, we live with judgment, and that keeps us from extending a helping hand, right? I'm just going to leave it right there. Let God speak to you on that one, because that one hit me deep. Because I, uh, you know, I do that sometimes. I'm that kind of person that, that would look at that, that person and say those kinds of things. But God help me. God help us to, to not judge, but to be a helping hand, to be a helper, to give in, uh, to give in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? All of these are excuses we use to divert from our calling in Christ. Why? Because it isn't comfortable. It doesn't fit our agenda. It doesn't fit the status quo. It doesn't fit what we want for our lives and our schedule. But it's what we're called to. It's what we're called to. Being a follower of Jesus isn't always easy. It's not always easy. We're called to do things that are uncomfortable, that are out of our way, that are out of our schedule, that are out of our time and out of our pocket. But it's what we're called to. It's what we're called to. Amen? Jesus has many, many things to say when it comes to giving to the needy and to the poor. Uh, and many, many early church fathers said the same thing. So I'm going to go through. I'm just, there's a lot of scriptures and a lot of quotes I'm about to read, okay? I'm going to read these slowly and succinctly, and I want you guys just to let these just... Prepare your hearts for a second, because these are some good quotes. Let's go ahead and hop into those. John Chrysostom, his early church father from 347 to 407 AD, said this, Not to enable the poor to share in our goods is to steal from them and to deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours, but theirs. This isn't Karl Marx speaking. This is early Christians. Next. Instead of the tithes which the law commanded, the Lord said to divide everything we have with the poor. And he said to love not only our neighbors, but also our enemies. And to be givers and sharers, not only with the good, but also to be liberal givers towards those who take away our possessions. That was Arrhenius from 130 to 200 AD. Quick note, Arrhenius studied under John the Apostle. So... We're talking just one generation removed from the apostles, that is that quote. Next, the rich are in possession of the goods of the poor. Listen to this. Oh, man, this, this drove me up a wall. This is how American I am. 
The rich are in possession of the goods of the poor, even if they have acquired them honestly or inherited them legally. I didn't say it. <laughs> Next. Share everything with your brother. Do not say it is private property. If you share what is everlasting, you should be much more willing to share things that do not last. That's from the Didache. It's an uh, early compilation of uh, apostolic writings. Next. Let the strong take care of the weak. Let the weak respect the strong. Let the rich man minister to the poor man. Let the poor man give thanks to God that he, may, or that he gave him one through whom his need might be satisfied. Next. Chris, uh, this is, this is a, um, a historian writing about Christians in the second century. This is interesting. Christians love one another. That doesn't sound like us already, but, you know, we've got a long ways to go. Christians love one another. They do not overlook the widow, and they save the orphan. The one who has ministers ungrudgingly to the one who does not have. When they see a stranger, they take him under their own roof and rejoice over him as a true brother. For they do not call themselves brothers according to the flesh, but according to the soul. Mm, that's, that's good. Lord, let it be. Let it be. Next. This one here, this is, this is a, the gut wrencher. The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry man. The coat hanging in your closet belongs to the man who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the man who has none. The money which you put into the bank belongs to the poor. You do wrong to everyone you could help, but fail to help. The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry man. The coat hanging in your closet belongs to the man who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the man who has no shoes. Every time I read that, I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Especially these other ones, that, that quote a, a couple ones ago where it said, the money that you have belongs to the poor even if you inherited it legally and honestly. What are these early Christians saying? Uh, and and I, I made a snide remark earlier that this isn't Karl Marx. These are early Christians. Uh, the point being is that in America, we've been trained so much to hate the idea of communism, which I also hate in a governmental sense. I'll just say that for some of you so you don't kill me later, right? But in a Christian sense, what did they do in Acts chapter 2? They sold everything they had and they gave it to the poor, meaning that it was their choice. It was not taken from them. It was their choice. And what are these people saying? That you as Christians, that it should be your choice and your duty to take what you have of extra and to give it away. Too much and too often in American consumeristic culture, we have too many things sitting on our shelves, too many items sitting in our closet too many shoes on our racks, too much money in our bank accounts, and none of it is going to the people that need it the most. In this country, people have been talking over and over again about wealth inequality, but nobody wants to do anything about it to actually help the poor. As Christians, we need to be the kind of people that go out there and make a difference. And I know that each and every one of us in here are on different spots, and we're going through different things, and so maybe this message doesn't apply to you, but maybe it does, and you need to listen. It applies to me, too. We all have extra of things in our lives that we have and we're hoarding that somebody else could use. And Lord, help us to see it. Lord, help us to see it. Man, okay. We got more. We've got more quotes. This is, we're getting ready to get in some scripture here. So if, you, if you're one of those people like, oh, he hasn't even said any scripture yet. This is, 
And he's a heretic. He's not even naming his scripture. Okay, well, let's do it. Bo, go to the next one. This is, uh, I'm going to read it. This is, you can't probably see it because it's small writing, but this is a sign that hangs on the, on the wall at the food kitchen. Whenever I first saw it, it made me cry. It hits you in the heart. This is from the book of James. Listen to this. Suppose a man comes in wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes comes in also. So let's imagine this. Let's imagine that, uh, who, let's, uh, let's pick somebody that everybody likes. I was going to say, uh, I was going to name a president, but it seems like everybody's got their opinions on those, right? Let's just name like uh, maybe Abraham Lincoln. Okay, everybody likes old Abe, right? Abraham Lincoln comes in, okay, dressed in fine clothes, the best tux he could find, a nice ring, right? He comes in. Oh, Abraham, here, you can sit right here, Abe, you know, we got the best seat in the house where can I get you anything to drink? Can, I, can we get you taken care of? Maybe some coffee? No? Okay, you like yours with cream and sugar? Yep, okay, we've got it for you. But then suppose a, a homeless man walks in, wearing raggedy clothes, he's got holes in his shoes with his toes showing, maybe just a t-shirt on, he doesn't even have a coat. And while we're so busy taking care of Abe, everybody forgets about him. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit at my feet, haven't you shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with unjust thoughts? Has God not also chosen the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Be careful that you do not dishonor the poor in this way. If, however, you keep the supreme law, which says, love your fellow man just as you love yourself, you are acting rightly. Amen. Amen. But isn't that how we think sometimes? Subconsciously, we favor those who have more. We favor those who wear the name brands, the, the Nike, the, the, the Gucci, the, the you know, Supreme. I'm naming all these modern-day younger brands, but, uh, you know, maybe they're wearing some Steve Madden shoes or they're wearing, you know, we like people who have nice things because subconsciously we want those nice things. And so we favor those people over those who are in need. And what's he saying there? That's partiality. That's a sin. For us to show favoritism. God doesn't show favoritism, but we do. We do in our hearts. Next, I want to read some writings from Jesus. I, or, or some sayings from Jesus. I didn't, uh, I didn't give these to Bo. But I, I, want to, I want to read these. These are some daunting scriptures, but it's important for us to understand these. Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the right, these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of these least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. 
Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not feed me. I was thirsty, and you did not give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then then they will reply, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Powerful, right? Powerful. It's the word of the Lord. When you've done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Think of that. Just think of that the next time that you see someone in need. I'm not really commenting very much because these are powerful scriptures. I want them to speak, speak on their own accord. I don't need to preach. They speak it for themselves. Amen? These are powerful words. Luke 6, listen to this. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. Jesus gives three blessings. Blessed are those who are poor, blessed are those who are hungry, and blessed are those who weep. He's about to give a set of woes. That's how it is in the King James. But here it says, What sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have... Your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for the ancestors also praised false prophets. Keep reading on and on. These are the words of Jesus. Not me. And I will say this, we say all the time around here that we are a Jesus church, amen? We're a Jesus church, we believe in Jesus, we serve Jesus, we strive to follow Jesus. We uplift the teachings of Jesus, we, we read the teachings of Jesus. But when the rubber meets the road, it's hard to be a Jesus person, isn't it, Jeremy? It's hard. It's hard when the rubber meets the road to implement these things in our life. It's hard when the rubber meets the road to really take what this is saying and to digest it and to say, how does this apply to my life? Holy Spirit, apply this to my life. I will say this, these, these words, these quotes, I've read a lot today. These are not all blanket statements. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to apply it to your own life and to convict you where you need to take action. I love what the Holy Spirit spoke through Jesse this morning. Do not let this Sunday be another Sunday where you just come in and do your religious ritual and you walk out without being changed. Let the Holy Spirit change you. Let the Holy Spirit draw you into a more generous life, into a more giving life, into a life of of prosperity, but not because you hoard everything, but because you give everything. Why? Because Jesus said it is more blessed to what? Give than what? Receive. Amen? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so what I want to challenge you, River Church, is in 2021, 
Let your community outreach flourish. Let it blossom, not just as a church, but you as the individual. Because remember, you are the church. Everywhere you go, when you go to the High V, whenever you go to Walmart, whenever you go to these public places, whenever you go and you meet with other people, whenever you're talking to other people, you are the church. You are the church. And who is your neighbor? Anyone around you that is in need. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. We're going to enter into a time of communion.